What's up, everybody? It's Austin Rivers from the Minnesota Timberwolves. It's a new year, and I have a new podcast here at The Ringer, Off Guard, hosted by me and my guy, Pasha Hagigi. Austin and I go way back and talk so much hoop already that we figured it was time to fire up the mics and let you in on all of these conversations. Every week, Pasha and I will hit on the biggest stories happening in the league and get Austin's perspective of someone currently hooping in the NBA. Tap into Off Guard every Friday on The Ringer NBA show feed on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. There's no better feeling than a personal win, and the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. This episode is brought to you by Indeed. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash RingerNFL. Just go to Indeed.com slash RingerNFL right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Howdy. I'm Ben Solak, and this is the Ringer NFL Show. I'm joined today, as always, by the inimitable Stephen Ruiz. Stephen, say hi to the people. Hi, people. And today we are continuing our offseason series of Big Picture Podcast with a long look at play action. Most football fans can recognize a play action fake and tell you what might happen afterward. A deep drop back, a downfield throw, an explosive gain. The play action pass bonanza has been spearheaded by coaches like Kyle Shanahan, Sean McVay, and Arthur Smith, and it has been responsible for Long quarterbacking careers for players like Jared Goff, Jimmy Garoppolo, and Ryan Tannehill. There is no doubt that a play-action pass is better than a drop-back pass. Yet, the league is still dropping back without a play-action fake more than it's dropping back with one. Coaches are doing play-action more, but why aren't they doing it way more? Like, all of the time. Today on the Ring NFL Show, we're asking the question, why isn't every single pass attempt play-action? Steve, when was it that you first heard the good news of our Lord and Savior, the play action pass? When, when, when did you first accept play action pass into your life, saving all of our quarterbacks? I, I think I discovered it in 2018. I think that was like the first time I realized that there was this big disparity between play action passes and regular drop back passes. I don't even think before then I really thought about those two as two separate play call types. I just, you know, you just throw them all in the passing bucket and... You, you just move on from there. We only had two major ones, run, pa- run plays, pass plays. But I think in 2018 is really when like the nerds got on board and like started pointing out the fact that this is a cheat code. Like yeah. every quarterback in the league is better at play action than they are without play action. And that was my that was my light bulb moment. Yeah. So as a reminder, uh, I think it's always helpful to think of the play action boom in the NFL in the framework of Jared Goff's career. That's how I remember right. it. So 2016. Jared Goff is the quarterback of the Jeff Fisher Los Angeles Rams first overall pick. It's not great. He starts seven games and the Rams go 0 for 7. He has five touchdowns to seven interceptions, a completion percentage of 55%. In 2017 is the first year that Sean McVay takes over the Los Angeles Rams. Jared Goff goes 11 and 4 as a quarterback. (laughs) He completes 62% of his passes, 28 touchdowns to seven interceptions. This 2017 season was not yet the Rams' Super Bowl season. It was the Todd Gurley Offensive Player of the Year, Aaron Donald Defensive Player of the Year season, right? The Rams were really, really good this year. Uh, They did get knocked out of the playoffs, uh, and the Eagles were the ones who went to the Super Bowl and subsequently beat the uh, New England Patriots. Now, 2018, that's the Rams' Super Bowl season, and I agree. I think that's the year where it's kind of like, okay, what are these wizards up to? <laughs> this Sean McVay and this Kyle Shanahan. What, what, what's this now? What's, what's the situation? And the landing spot was kind of play action, right? Uh, numbers for you. The furthest back I could find, because play action hasn't been charted for super long, was in 2015. Football outsiders had the play action rate of every single team in the league. And the Minnesota Vikings led the league in play action rate at 27%. Do you want to guess who led the league this year in play action rate and what their number was? 
I know it's the Dolphins because they were doing the RPO stuff. I don't know what the number is, but I know it was it was high. It was not the Dolphins. The Dolphins were oh. second. The Atlanta Falcons had a play action pass attempt. 43% of the time, <laughs> which like the leaders in like 2020 and 2021 were like 35%, 36%. The Falcons are kind of, they're pushing new territory here. They're breaching new ground at 43%. Of course, the Falcons like also barely passed the football. But regardless, the average league pass attempt this past season in 2022 was play 26% of the time. So that which led the league in 2015 was league average, run of the mill, seven years later. And as we said, play action isn't exploding for no reason. This John works. Like when you when you compare mm-hmm. a play action pass to a drop back pass, it's basically, again, a, 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 a pass where they fake handing the ball off to the running back versus a pass where they don't, play action is emphatically better. Uh, the number one metric is an explosive play rate where a, 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 a play-action pass attempt last season uh, went for 20-plus yards uh, 11% of the time. That's more than double that of a non-play-action pass, only went for a explosive gain 5% of the time. So you're ripping off huge chunk gains as a result of the play-action pass. That leads to uh, play-action pass being better in terms of success rate, how often teams had positive plays, and then an expected points added per dropback, which we use EPA a lot on the Ringer NFL show and certainly on this feed. EPA serves as, as a good barometer for how successful an offense was that goes beyond things like yards or completion percentage. Because you might complete a pass on third and 15 for nine yards, but guess what? That was not a helpful completion, and it was not helpful yardage. You ended up with fourth and six, you ended up with a punt. And so expected points added gives us a, a context for saying, all right, nine yards is a lot more valuable on third and seven than it is on third and 15. And so when we use expected right. points, we're using it as a, as a barometer for how successful an offensive play is. And the EPA per drop back on play action passes, 0.09 over the last five years, as opposed to negative 0.02 in the last five years for non-play action passes. So fundamentally, teams are using play action more, and it's working. When we go on film, Stephen, and when we when, when we when you look at coaches and you look at, at the way that coaches understand this lever, because there's stuff about play action that coaches definitely get. And then there's stuff that the analytics community would say is still cutting edge and coaches haven't gotten their teeth all the way around. When we talk about what play action does on the film, why is it so successful? Why does it work? Well, I, I think one thing it does is it creates transition periods for the defense in a unique way that you don't see in any other play type. When you look around at other sports and like the evolution of X's and O's in the other sports, one of the big themes is trying to get trying to attack the defense when it's not set yet, when it's transitioning from offense to defense like in soccer you press up high so you can get high turnover so you can you can attack the defense steven's been playing a lot of rigid. fifa recently so he's in soccer it's mode not right fifa now. it's football manager get it steven's right steven's been playing a lot of football manager recently definitely a game that i've heard of before all i know is i'm getting yeah. screenshots from steven like my four forwards are all injured i'm like i'm sorry that sounds like it's tough i apologize <sighs> whatever and in in basketball now the thing is like ball movement this started with the warriors it's getting because teams got so good at offering help defense they're basically playing zone defenses on basketball that now you have to get the ball rotating you have to get the defense into the rotations you unsettle them there's no way to create that in in nfl in in football because plays are contained they're self-contained there's a whistle and there's there's a whistle to start the play a whistle to end the play but play does, temp, create, does tempo not create that? We go no huddle. Tempo does create that a little bit, but that's just like with the call. The defense yeah. still gets lined up for the most part. Like they're if still. If Aaron Rodgers were here, he'd argue that tempo does that. But that's for a later segment and where Aaron Rodgers. He's very unique. In, yeah. yeah, he's very unique in that regard. But what what play action does is you you do create that transition. You create the transition from we're defending the run, we're defending the run, we're defending the run. Oh, the quarterback kept the ball. Oh no! Now we have to transition into our pass defense, and now you have this. Now the structures aren't working like they're supposed to work. Like the zone defense spread right. out across the field isn't properly distributed. And now you have these gaps in the defense. And usually because the run action draws the, the linebackers or the second level defenders up to the line of scrimmage, that those openings are way down the field, which is where all the good EPA comes from. Yeah. There's a, a a great Steve Sarkeesian clip. He was the offensive coordinator at Alabama in, in uh, Mac Jones's season, I think. And also to his last season. I can't. Too many Bama coordinators. He was a Bama coordinator a couple years ago. And he's doing a clinic on their play action pass. And he talks about the fact that 
the RPO game, which we're going to talk about a little bit more in this show, and the, the, the quick run fakes that become quick passes, right? Happens really, really rapidly. Those are all kind of hitting in this second level. And you've seen defenses adjust to that by asking those safeties to come downhill. And that's led to a big renaissance of these like deep play action passes because you're, oh, we're running an RPO. Like you better get your safety 10 yards off the line of scrimmage. You can stop this little quick in-breaking route. And then you run a post in behind him. And that's really where you're trying to get the sucker, right? So that's where you start to see some of these big downfield passing attacks work off play action. I think that distinction, not even distinction, dividing the defense's approach and theory and responsibilities into run defense and pass defense is really important because fundamentally play action is about conflict, right? Uh, It would be nice if you could run any pass coverage on defense, cover one, cover three, cover two, quarters, rotate, you know, strong rotation, requotation behind any sort of run defense, four man rush, five man rush, one gap, two gaps, stunts, games, twists. But the reality is that these are not it's like like different heads of screwdrivers. Not every single right, yeah. head for a screwdriver fits in every single screw. You can't run, you know, cover two and then also expect to be able to play every single run gap with your defense line and your linebackers. You just don't have enough bodies, right? Like the, you have to somehow find an additional body to get into that front. So now you have to run a twist or a game or a stunt. Like all of these things are very connected. And if we were to try to walk through all of the various connections. One, we would do a terrible job, and two, we'd be on the podcast for three hours. But fundamentally, what's going to end up happening as you play defense is you're going to have to ask second-level players, linebackers and nickel corners, uh, and then also strong safeties when they rotate down. You're going to have to ask second-level players to play both the run and the pass. You're going to have linebackers whose job it is to fill the B-gap against a run, and that gap is directly in front of them. They have to go forward to get there. And also play the hook in, in cover three zone. And that that zone is behind them. It is in the opposite direction. So right, you are yeah. fundamentally, you're saying if it is run, we need you to go forward and do this. And if it is pass, we need you to go backwards and do that. And the offense says, well, shoot. If we convince this guy it's run for long enough, he's not going to be able to get back to where he right, needs to yeah. be. Right? Uh, this is why when you, watch, when you look at... Uh, some some examinations of 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 flash and passing to efficacy in like uh like in like public discourse with public data josh hermsmeyer of, of 538 does this a lot one of the ways he he measures the efficacy of a play action pass is by how far up did the linebacker come before he started bailing backwards into his pass responsibility right it's right, kind of yeah. saying all right most play action passes a lot of play action passes are trying to pull that linebacker down and throw behind him so let's see how far down he went let's see how convincing the play action fake was so it's that idea of conflict that just it allows you to move a defender. It allows you to predict where he's going to be and then throw to the space that he vacated. And that's like fundamentally, I think, how a play action pass is working. Yeah, and I think that's that's what makes it so interesting from like a scheme perspective because there are different ways to put those players in in conflict and there are different directions to kind of pull them into conflict. Like we, you talked about making the linebacker step up to defend the run as opposed to stepping back to defend the pass. But then now you you get into like the realm of Shanahan, who is displacing linebackers side to side horizontally rather than vertically. Yep. And that's where you see the the differences in scheme. And that's where I think I think that's where the analysis has to go over the next couple of years because the defenses, the way defenses are playing are like as you alluded to, is to kind of reduce that conflict that those second level defenders are facing. And now, now the ball is back in the offensive coordinator's court. Now they have to figure out a way to create even more conflict and to put them in even more conflict to get back to the basically the game states they were dealing with before we saw this influx of, of two high coverages, of pattern matching, of, of different, of various tools to combat this conflict that offensive coordinators are always trying to create. Yeah, I think that difference in... I hesitate to say aesthetic because aesthetic makes it sound nominal, it makes it sound like it doesn't matter, like it's just kind of like a small, a small thing that you observe. But it really, like, it is a meaningful thing. But that difference in, in the aesthetics of play action, of what run is this team faking, really, really matters in terms of understanding how the defense is getting pulled. Right. the The most helpful way to think about this, in my opinion, is to think about the Tennessee Titans under Arthur Smith when Brian Tanhill and Derrick Henry were really cooking a couple years ago, up against the Kyle Shanahan and Sean McVay teams at the same time. Because McVay and Shanahan were running wide zone play action. Wide zone is a running play. That sounds exactly what it 
that is exactly what it sounds like. We're running zone blocking. So everybody's heading one direction, just going to kind of block an area of the field. And we're doing it out wide. We're doing it really far over that way to the left, really far over that way to the right. And right, as you said, what we're taking is we're taking that gap that that linebacker is responsible for, and we're moving it to the left. And we're saying, you got to go chase this gap. This might be a run. And this gap that you're responsible for is heading to your left. Go, run, chase it. So now that linebacker is moving horizontally, they execute the play fake and very often and very frequently boot the quarterback out the other direction. So now the quarterback's moving opposite the flow of that linebacker. The linebacker's just slam on the brakes, turn, and start running towards the other sideline. It's a left-to-right stretch, and the receivers are often running left-to-right to kind of uh, take advantage of the linebacker's momentum going the wrong way. Then you watch that Titans team. Brother, we ain't running wide zone with Derrick Henry. We run Derrick Henry downhill. Right. <laughs> Vertical. <laughs> we are going at you. And so now they're not running wide zone play action. They're running different running schemes. And it's still from under center and still with a single back, seven yards back, and it's still with two tight ends. It all looks the same at first, but fundamentally, they're trying to move the linebacker differently. They're trying to run Derrick Henry right at him so that linebacker feels like he needs to step downhill, come down into the line of scrimmage, and then they'll run routes that break in behind that linebacker. So their play action offers a little bit more verticality to it. They ask the quarterback to stay in the pocket, and that's where you see a Ryan Tannehill, 6'4", 225, big fella. Right? right. That's where you see him succeed. Whereas, you know, kind of the 6'2, 220 pounds of Jimmy Garoppolo, who doesn't take hits as well as Tanhill does, probably would not have succeeded. He needed to roll out a little bit more. Baker Mayfield in Cleveland needed to roll out a little bit more. Right. And so the stylistic differences, they're changing who gets pulled and how they get pulled is a huge part of like understanding each individual play action call from, from a discrete perspective, from a league wide perspective. Play action pass moves a linebacker and then throws where that linebacker was. It, it manipulates right. a guy and then creates more space. It's, it's nicer than a drop back pass where you can't do that as easily. There's other ways to do it, but you can't do it as easily. But from a discrete perspective, there's a, a, a there's 50 shades of gray in terms of how play action works. And that's really important to understanding like which teams run play action, how much they run it and why they run it. And if you like, if you look up a playbook, an NFL playbook on the internet. And they're, they're around. Like if you want to Google Kyle Shanahan's 2017 49ers playbook, it's on the internet. It's there mm-hmm. free. But the way he kind of buckets these passes, he doesn't have just a play action section of his playbook. He has play pass, which is the, the, the more yes. vertical one, the Ryan Tannehill style. And then he has movement passes, which are the, the ones you were alluding to the wide zone where you're getting outside of the pocket and you're trying to create that horizontal stretch. I, I think that's a big deal. Like you can't just, you can't just call for more play action when you're like, if you're complaining about your team's play calling, you can't just be like more play action because the offensive coordinator is going to ask, well, what type of play action do you want us to run? And then there are implications. Like if you want to be that wide zone type of play action where you're stretching, you're getting outside of the pocket, then you have to invest into that style of run play. Yeah. Or the defense just is it? They're going to, they're not going to play the right coverages that work against that style of, of play. Yeah. We're going to let's, let's take a break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about, the investments in the offense that are necessary to run good play action. We're going to talk about that Shanahan play pass nonsense and what it all <laughs> means for increasing play action rates in the league. We're going to come back after this. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. There's no better feeling than a personal win, and the State Farm personal price plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. This episode is brought to you by Indeed. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash RingerNFL. Just go to Indeed.com slash RingerNFL right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Indeed. 
Okay, so play pass is the most annoying phrase that has ever been created. Deal with it. I'm sorry. Bill, I think Bill Walsh, as all things were, Bill Walsh is the one who started it. When he was doing play action, he called it play pass, which I don't know if Bill Walsh knew how football discourse would grow over the next 50 years when he said it, but it's just the it's the clunkiest thing to say. And but you hear is. coaches say it. You'll hear players bring it up, right? Like when Kirk Cousins, whenever Kirk's talking about his under center play action, he always goes, and so we get into our play pass stuff, right? And and by that phrase, play pass, what they what 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 he means and what you see like Shanahan mean and what these guys that talk about, what they mean is right, that really, really hard sell play action. So let's take let's let's take a look at that. If I'm executing a play action fake. I need the entire defense to believe I'm running the football. And that means at the snap, the quarterback's eyes need to go to the running back and the ball needs to come out. The running back needs to look like he's receiving the ball, needs to look like he's reading out the defense, needs to look like he's pressing for a hole, like he's going to find somewhere to run. Critically, and perhaps most importantly, the offensive line needs to look like they are run blocking, right? Defensive players talk about a high hat or a low hat read pre-snap, right? Where, okay, if, a, if an offensive lineman has their head up, they're probably about to pass protect. If a defensive lineman, or excuse me, if an offensive lineman has their head lower, has their head down, they're probably going to come off the ball and they're going to run block, right? So at the snap, the offensive line has to look like they're run blocking. In Shanahan's system, right, you'll see protection schemes that are based off play action passes where half of the line, right, go like the, the, the play side guard and the play side tackle, the right guard and the right tackle, they're going to look like they're run blocking. We want you guys to sell the run. And we're going to let the left side of the line just pass protect, right? Left side of the line, you guys can just drop back. You know what I'm saying? Just, just drop back. Like, don't worry about it. We're just going to kind of fake the run with this half of the lines. We want to move this linebacker right here. And we're just going to keep it contained. And everybody else can safely pass protect over here, right? And then you see play action protections, play pass protections, where the assignment is run zone. Come off the line, right? It is. It is. Right. Go block the tackle as if we are running the football. Uh, there's a 2008 article on ESPN about like play action pass, and pretty much it's about how uh, Peyton Manning is super good at it. And like they're like, wow, like this is the magic for Peyton Manning is the play action pass. And I was reading, I was like, wow, if Steve and I were writing in 2008, we'd be like, Peyton Manning's a play action merchant. He can't he's not, <laughs> not really playing the game the right way. He's cheating. Um, Drop back the, like an adult. Yeah, drop back like a man. Um, in that piece, Matt Burke, the Viking center, gives a great quote where he says, "You identify the defense the same way, you, like the same way you would if it was a running play. Get everybody going the same way, everybody on the same page, so every defender is accounted for. At the snap of the ball, you want to make sure it, as we say, smells like, feels like, and tastes like run. The consequence of this decision is enumerated." In the Shanahan playbook, I'll, I'll 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 tweet out if you go and you look on my Twitter, you'll 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 find the uh, the the playbook that I'm reading from. It says on the offensive line's responsibilities for the play, block 15, 14 weak aggressively. So it's block zone play aggressively. Backside tackle and tight end will be responsible for defensive end and Sam linebacker. So if you are a Niners fan and you're watching Hassan Reddick hit Brock Purdy on the elbow, knock him out of the <laughs> NFC Championship game and ruin your season, and you're going, why did we have a backup tight end on Hassan Reddick? Because it's in the playbook, buddy. When you are trying to pass off of run action, when you are trying to execute a true play pass, a true big boy play action pass, one of the things that you have to understand offensively, one of the costs of doing business is that your offensive line does not execute traditional pass protection. So right. you got that guy, I got this guy, we'll pick up the blitz this way. They sell out for the run. The benefit is that you fool linebackers. The cost is that if somebody's blitzing, the back's got to go get him. The tackle doesn't have his eyes up. And critically, when you're under center, the quarterback's back is to the defense. He doesn't see it because he's executing a play-action fake. And so the real one of the real big things that we have to talk about when we talk about play-action pass fakes and, and, and incorporating them more into offenses is that you have to be willing to have a quarterback turn his back to the defense and you have to have tight ends running backs who can functionally work in pass protection. And even those teams that do have those things, the 49ers, it's still a tight end against Hassan Reddick and you still end up sometimes with quarterback injuries. Just ask Jimmy Garoppolo and Trey Lance and Brock Purdy about these quarterback injuries. This is a huge part of play action pass. 
And one thing, I, I guess, like the retort would be, well, why don't you just not have a linebacker or a tight end block Hassan Reddick on those plays? And that gets back to, you have to sell it to the defense. If I'm the defense and I'm looking at the 49ers doing a run fake and I, and I look backside, the backside of the run, the opposite direction the run is headed in, and I see they have an extra tackle over there instead of a tight end, I'd be like, why are they doing this? They wouldn't do that. Yeah. They, wouldn't put, they wouldn't put extra bodies on the, the backside of a play on yeah, a, a huge, a huge part of the advantage of the running play, like when you design the run, is like, oh, sick! We get to put a tight end on Hassan Reddick, run away from him, and now right, we're yeah. stealing an extra offensive line body to actually use in the run. And so, when you go to do play action fake off of that pass, guess what? You still got to do it. it it's <laughs> got to look the way. It's got to smell like and look like and, and taste like run. And so that's right. You start to get those those moments. Now, we brought up the under center aspect of things a little bit. Uh, the play action fake is better when the quarterback is under center because the run fake lasts for longer and looks more convincing than in shotgun. When NFL teams go to run the football, they just don't typically do it from shotgun. There's uh, exceptions to this. And a lot of that is like the spread offense and the QB run offense. And we're going to talk about that a little bit more. But in general, if you go and you look at the last five years of football, uh, play action fake from under center, 0.12 expected points out of per drop back. And uh, from the gun, it's only 0.08. So a little bit of an advantage. Success rate, another small advantage, 50% versus 48%. But then you look at 20 plus yard play. You look at explosive play rate, and it's a 13% explosive play rate when you're under center, only a 9.5 explosive play rate when you're in the gun. The under center play action fake tends to work better than the shotgun play action fake does. They're still both way better than drop back, but the under center looks better. The cost of the under center is turning your back to the defense, right? Uh, ben Roethlisberger, very famously in 2021, Matt Canada, new offensive coordinator, coming from the LSU offense, come from college. We run some under center play action over here, baby. And Ben <laughs> Roethlisberger said, I don't do that, chief. <laughs> I'm not about it. <laughs> it's not for me. Uh, Michael, this is from Steelers Depot. Mike Lombardi said uh, that Roethlisberger hates playing under center, never wanted to turn his back to his D to the defense, thus eliminating the play-action passes. Randy Fickner in 2020, Roethlisberger's old offensive coordinator, said, every week we evaluate what can be done from a play-action standpoint, from a protection standpoint of Ben Roethlisberger first. He is always going to be most comfortable in drop-back pass. He can see in front of him. He can see his sides. He can be prepared for sight adjusts and hots and things like that, basically adjusting the play to the blitz. Some of that is his comfort level. And so one of the, I think, hang-ups that you run into when you see a team that wants to run more play-action but doesn't, is that oftentimes the quarterback does not want to be put in a position where he has to turn his back to the defense to sell these play action fakes. And you can tell him as much as you want about how good the EPA per dropback is <laughs> on these plays, but he's going to say, I don't want to get lit up like a Christmas tree by a blitzing linebacker. And it's hard to argue against him with that, especially if he's making like a bajillion dollars. And I think a good example of this playing out last year was two attack of Iloa in Miami. Mm -hmm. You have Mike McDaniel come over from the Shanahan system. You, we all assumed, what I assumed at least, was there was going to be some some mixing of what Miami had been doing with Tua, where they're running a bunch of RPO with the Shanahan scheme. And that's what it was early on. Like, you go back and watch that first Patriots game in week one. They call like 20 plays from under center. And they're running a lot of play action, a lot of wide zone. And Tua just isn't good at it. Like, I don't think Tua likes it. I think Tua is one of those quarterbacks to pervert prefers to be in the gun. He, he gets to see everything in front of him, doesn't have to turn his back to the backfield. And then another thing with Tua is he's just not that talented of a thrower, like outside of the pocket. So you're doing the outside zone stuff and getting him outside the pocket. And then he has to make a throw on the run, which one, it's awkward because he's left-handed. So now you have to flip the offense because it's usually for a right-handed quarterback. Yep. And then he, do he doesn't run well. He doesn't throw well on the run. He'll, he'll throw it in the dirt a bunch. And McDaniel, to his credit, Almost immediately, almost that next game against the Ravens in week two, now they're operating from the gun almost exclusively. Still a, still a fair amount of under center play action. But as the season went on, they went away from the under center wide zone stuff. And McDaniels found a way to take advantage of Tua's skill set while still calling play action. He just did it from the gun. And now you're getting more RPO looks from Miami. So I, I think that's one of the challenges is it's not, oh, let's just uh, turn the play-action dial all the way up. You have to figure out a way to make play-action work for your personnel and mo more specifically, your quarterback. Yeah, the McDaniel Tua offense is a critical offense to understanding this interaction of 
yes, you definitely should run more play action on a league-wide level because it's very good and it's better than drop back. But there's definitely some times where you shouldn't. Uh, last season, by expected points added per drop back on passes with no play action, Tua Tungawailoa led the league. Better than Patrick Mahomes. There was no right. quarterback in the league by expected points added. Better. Without play action than Tua Tungawailoa was. That's insane. Because Tua is not better than Patrick Mahomes, right? Like you can get no. you can get any Dolphins fan that you want here, any any two and on believer. Like it's not he's not better than Mahomes. By by on dropbacks with play action, Tua was twenty sixth. This was the guy coming from Mike McDaniel. This is this is a guy coming for the Shanahan offense, and then it gets even crazier because guess what? Last year on dropbacks no play action, Jimmy Garoppolo was third. Brock Purdy right. was fifth. What? Yeah, and it, the Shanahan, the Shanahan, his play action rate is going down. Like Shanahan has been known as this play action merchant, but like, yes, if you l- read the tea leaves, they're going away from that. And I think a big part of the Christian McCaffrey trade was finding an early down option that wasn't as expensive as the word I would use. That's the word uh, coaches use: expensive to install, or as expensive as play action is. Because, like we said, you have to invest in it. You have to run certain formations. You have to run certain run plays. But Shanahan, I, I think he read the writing on the wall and was like, "We can't win a Super Bowl doing this. This is a this is a concept that you kind of have to earn. You have to. It's like a luxury." And I, his solution was finding a running back who can create mismatches in the run game, and and that's how he started to attack linebackers. Yeah, the uh, the watching the McDaniel Tua offense of it while concurrently watching right the Jimmy Garoppolo Brock Purdy offense where you're watching these teams just kind of sit in shotgun and when they're in shotgun every so often they're just kind of sticking the ball in the belly of the back right they're kind of like right, like yeah. oh maybe we're gonna hand it off but in general like not selling out for these large play action fakes and yet they're still finding a lot of space in the same second level that they yep, were previously yep. attacking and you're trying to figure out how you're trying to figure out why and then you start to see the amount of motion that they have pre-snap and you start to realize how conflated these two things are, right? We talk about play action. We're talking about a ball fake on a, on a pass attempt. We talk about pre-snap motion. We're talking about a player moving before the snap on offense, a wide receiver heading from one side to the other, a running back moving out of the backfield, running back moving into the backfield. And oftentimes we're talking about teams that have motion at the snap, right? The Dolphins being a prime example of this, of a team that we are going to put a receiver in motion. And while he is still moving, we are going to snap the football. What are we? What what what's happening right here? The exact same thing that we talked about in terms of why play action works. We are displacing somebody, right? We are moving a guy across the formation to force the defense to change their look, to change their perspective, right? Say, okay, like we previously were in this call because we had two receivers to this side. Now we have to flip the call because there's two receivers to the other side, and it kind of puts them in that transition defense you were talking about, right? Where right, the, yeah. the offense is a moving target. And it puts the offense in a position where they can predict, okay, if we send this receiver in jet motion from the left to the right, they're going to have to bump their linebackers over left to the right, and that's going to leave a, a, a gap over here. It's going to leave a vacant area. We're going to be able to create space the same way we wanted to. So now we get the same advantage we got from play action without as many of the costs, right? Without the, the right. costs that play action usually affords us, where the quarterback needs to turn around. We're not going to be in as sound of, of protection options. That economy right that like all right we're going to get all the benefits without as many of the costs isn't 100 percent true Tua still took a lot of hits and the Niners quarterback still took a lot of hits the Dolphins tried to solve the problem by pulling offensive linemen a lot right instead of having five guys just straight drop back in, in, into pass sets and try to block the four guys opposite opposite them they'd have you know a double team and they pull a guard and they'd have him try to pick up an unblocked end and they're trying to create this this pocket for Tua it it's it was an understandable move. I get the wisdom of it. I think if you run it all back, McDaniel's probably doing the same thing. It didn't work as well as they would have liked, but some of that's on like two a play style, and some of that's on the quality of their offensive line. So the, the, there's this is kind of like a new frontier here for this Shanahan offense, and then the McDaniel iteration of the offense is saying, "All right, we've done the play action thing for like a decade now." It takes a lot out of us. Like, we have to just right, yeah. be that team. We have to do this. We are only going to run these concepts. And we're going to call this play action stuff off of these concepts. Guess what? 
We had our, our shots to win our Super Bowls. Niners against the Chiefs. Rams against the Patriots. We didn't get it. We missed. And defenses are starting to catch up. Like you said, like uh, Shanahan's moving away from play action. Yeah, play action rate went down from 2021 into 2022. And play action efficacy by expected points added went down from 2021 to 2022. It's way too early to call the shot. But like there's a chance that like defenses are gaining steam here. And so you see innovators like Shanahan and McDaniel are trying to figure out, okay, how do we get to the same buckets and get to the same layups and get to the same spots, but without doing the whole play action thing that we've had to do for these past 10 years? Yeah. Uh, so there's a guy on Twitter. He used to be an offensive uh, line coach in the NFL, Jim Mouse McNally. Just insane. Just an insane account. He always tweets on all caps. It's just Elite insane. Elite poster. But if you and he's very, he gets very upset if you ask him a question that he's already answered on Twitter. So please scroll his whole timeline before you <laughs> interact with him at all or he'll get very mad. But he had a tweet and I can't find it now because he posts so much where he was talking about how the efficacy of the wide zone is kind of dwindling. And it has been over the last couple of years because of things we were talking about with the defense where defenses are figuring out a way where they could still defend the run. But linebackers have more time to discern run from pass before they have to commit to run defense or pass defense. So we're seeing less of the outside zone-based play action. We're seeing more, more of like pulling guards, plays that are meant to look like downhill runs rather than side-to-side -side runs. I think mm -hmm. that's where we're going within the league, and it's because defenses. And that's like the cyclical nature of this of the sport. It's always uh, punch-counterpunch. So I, I feel like a lot of the times, especially with like analytics, now, they when they came onto the scene, it was like around 2016, 2017. Football Outsiders was way before that, but before like they really had a louder voice in the conversation. But like all of their takes, I feel like are based on data from like a certain time period where things were true. Like, yes, play action is great and it's always it's gonna work, it's better than uh drop back passing. But as defenses change and the structures of their coverages change, in theory the efficacy of play action is going to change too and how it works and how you get to it and, how, and what kind of throws it opens up. So I, I think this is always going to be a moving target and there's not going to be like, you can't just make some grand de declaration that this is the way to play offense and it's always going to be the right way to play offense. And I think we're seeing that in real time over the last couple of years. Throughout the history of the league, we've seen the efficiency of, of run and pass plays kind of go through ebbs and flows. Vacillate, yeah. But it's never like connected or it never had been in the past. Like one one year passing and running would go up. The next year passing would go down and running would go down. I'm talking about like in the 90s and in the early 2000s. Over the last couple of years, there's been a steady stream where passing has gone down every single year of the last three years and running has gone up every single year over the last three years. That's a new phenomenon. We had never seen that before. And I think part of that is defenses figuring out ways to stop play action. Right. Uh, I want to talk more about that era that kind of preceded the play action boom. And by I want to talk about it, I mean Aaron Rodgers really wants to talk about it. We'll <laughs> do that after the break. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, get more from your gym membership. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, restrictions, all apply. See website for details. This episode is brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. As a ruthless king builds his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX this Friday and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. Okay, so Aaron Rodgers hopped on, pardon my take, with some opinions last season, as Aaron Rodgers is wont to do. Just kind of <laughs> hop on a show and fire off some opinions and then get mad when people think he said the thing that he said. Anyway, on part of my take, uh, Rogers 
was talking about was was asked about uh, uh, the Matt Lafleur offense, and he was talking about Randall Cobb, and they had kind of had a bad couple of games, and Cobb was injured, and Rogers made like a comment about the how there's kind of like too much motion in the offense, and the part of my take, fellas, were like, what? Like what? What does that mean? Like, yeah, what's the situation? Rogers was like, "Well, I've I've said all of this to Matt Lafleur before, and I've said this all to everybody before, and I tell him this all the time, and this isn't me complaining about the offense." And then he went on to complain about the offense for a little <laughs> bit. And one of the things he said in that clip was, uh, "It's a little frustrating when you grew up in the West Coast offense, and your mindset is all about protection and adjustments and different things." He also talked about how. In that West Coast offense, he was always so amazed by and impressed by, he called it the most beautiful offense, uh, Peyton Manning, who he said would just line up in two by two and three by one and just run tempo, pick his matchups, right? Use his cadence to get the defense to move a little bit, find the matchup that he wanted to. And then he said, you know, you'd win with accuracy and you'd win with timing and you'd win with precision, which is hilarious because I got the 2008 article where everybody's like, man, Play action's really making Peyton Manning go. And it's kind of like, okay, well, everything is the same under the sun. You know what I'm saying? We're not like this, this, this mental image that Rogers has of Peyton Manning maybe isn't super accurate. But so, yeah, so he, he says, uh, 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 Rogers is talking about how he came up in this West Coast offense. It was all about precision and timing and, and these one-on-ones and, and, and you beating the other guys with your talent. And there's, a, when, when he talks about this and like you hear Dak Prescott talk about it a little bit, you're Peyton Manning talk about it a little bit. They hold this offense in this like rarefied air, like all like because it's 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 the grown man offense, right? right it's the yeah, I'm really better is. than you offense. It's the big brother, little brother in the driveway playing ball. Like I just I I I'm better at this than you are right now, and I think that's a really important framework for then understanding the proliferation of this play action passing offense in the league now, because Kyle comes in, takes over Houston. Great Matt Schaub season, goes to Washington. Kirk Cousins is a fourth round pick, becomes a starter. Atlanta, Matt Ryan has always been good. All of a sudden, is an MVP. San Francisco, Jimmy Garoppolo, second round pick, start to get NFC Championship games out of him. Sean McVay fixes Jared Goff. Kirk Cousins continues to succeed under this offense. Baker Mayfield has his one good season under Kevin Stefanski in this offense. Ryan Tannehill, first round pick, bust, goes to Tennessee, gets in this offense, starts to play in the AFC playoffs. This offense is really, really good at raising the floor of bad quarterbacks. You're not supposed to say that. You're not allowed to say that. You're not allowed to say that about them. You're not allowed to bring up the fact that they're play action merchants. (laughs) Play action is a floor raiser. And and what it does is it simplifies the game for quarterbacks who otherwise struggle to do that pristine, gorgeous, top-button West Coast offense nonsense, right? We're like, they're not the sort of guys who can walk up to the line, do the Peyton Manning cadence, identify the coverage from like the one time they saw it four and a half years ago, and then throw a perfect pass with excellent timing 100% of the time. They're not the guys who can do that. So they get play action offense. And yes, like the system and the scheme of the offense has to sell out a little bit to make it work for them. But hey, you just got a starting quarterback out of Kirk Cousins, out of Jimmy Garoppolo, out of Jared Goff. Like that's huge. That's great. But then that play action offense runs into an Aaron Rodgers. And Rodgers wins the MVP in back-to-back seasons, but his whining about and is frustrated about the fact that he doesn't get to run the offense the way he wants to. And when they lose, he feels like it's because he didn't have control over the dropback game and he couldn't go tempo the way he wanted to go. He complains a lot about how he never gets to go tempo. So there's always pre-snap motion. And it's like, yeah, he just wants to run hurry up, no huddle, call every play the line of scrimmage and run this thing for himself, which I don't know if Roger should get that leeway. I don't know if anybody should get that leeway, but he did win MVP and he's kind of really <laughs> talented. And so it creates this discussion where like, Okay, play action from a league-wide perspective, I think really helps quarterbacks. But when you get into the nitty-gritty, it seems like it helps the lower-tier quarterbacks jump up a couple tiers way more than it helps the top-tier quarterbacks like truly elevate. Which, again, like you can argue Rodgers was not playing great, and then he got into the little floor offense and won MVPs. But I'd argue that's just like he went from a bad coach to a good coach. I'm right, not sure yeah. I'm going to argue that like play action was a thing that really like saved Aaron Rodgers. No, I think it's that that autonomy that quarterbacks that the best quarterbacks want. And that's why you see a lot of these, I guess, quote unquote, pocket passers, these guys that are kind of field generals, I think is the best way to put it. Sure. And to not like play action like Matt Ryan is another person who didn't really like play action before Kyle Shanahan came around. 
but I, I think the difference between, and I think that's why the, the play action guys get labeled system quarterbacks because they don't have that, that leeway to kind of make changes. They're not guys you give the ball to and say, go get a bucket. Like they're not like play action quarterbacks are the guy standing in the corner waiting to hit the open three. They're PJ Tucker. They're not James Harden dribbling. Let's not, we pounding. don't need to do Sixers. I, I did we that don't on need purpose. to bring up Sixers players. That's fine. But I think that's the difference. And, and it, maybe it sounds like a dumb guy take because like you said, Peyton Manning was calling like using a lot of play action, but Peyton Manning could do all that other stuff. Peyton Manning was also getting to the line and making changes and he was changing protections right, and, and he was changing the, plays. And, right. And that's the, the thing is like, you either are capable of that or you aren't like you can't just install that in a guy like even Jimmy now sitting in the gun running less play action for the Niners. It's still training wheel stuff. You know what I'm saying? Right, you're it's still st- point it's, and shoot. It's still stare at Christian McCaffrey. He's going to go left or right and you just throw it whichever way he goes. Right. He's going to be open. That's what it is. But yeah, and I, I but that's when you get into the limits of play action. When you have a quarterback where that's like the only way he can thrive because you start looking at different situations when play action is used. And one thing that jumps out is the difference in efficiency when you split by drop back probability. And drop drop back probability is just basically the chances that a, a team is going to pass and that's based on down and distance so like on third and 10, right, drop like back in, probability yeah. is very high. On yeah. second and one, it's lower. And when you look at play action efficiency in those those buckets it's only really effective in like the middle. So like when defenses don't know whether you're going to run or pass. And that's why I think it's a concept that you have to earn. You have to be a good team to run a lot of play action. If you're down by 20 points in the fourth quarter, guess what you can't call? You can't call play action. Yeah. If it's second guys, we're really going to get them. We're going to get them with this fake zone run. Like, no, <laughs> right. they don't if respect it, you, man. If it's second and nine all the time because you suck on first down, you can't call play action. And I think that's part of the reason why a lot of people seem to think play action is this this cure all thing because they look at the the league standings at the end and they're like, oh, look at all the good teams. They ran a bunch of play action and all the bad teams didn't run play action. I put one and one together, it equals two. Good teams run play action, bad teams don't. That's not how it works. Good teams get to run play action, bad teams don't get to run play action. And right. I think th- that's why when a quarterback is having a lot of success, like Baker Mayfield in 2020, and it's all on play action. That's why it's fair to point out the fact that he can only really play under play action. Like in 2020, or sorry, too many 20s. In 2020, you in look back 20, at that. 2020, 2020. I'm, I'm in, living in the future, baby. <laughs> <laughs> I've looked 18 millennia from now, and I have seen a vision. <laughs> but when you look at 2020, you look at Baker Mayfield's splits between play action and non-play action. His non-play action splits were basically Taysom Hill. Like Taysom Hill had yeah. similar numbers on non-play action. And when I tweeted that out during this season when Baker Mayfield was having a great year and everyone was like, oh, look at Baker Mayfield, top 10 quarterback, the the most common response was, yeah, well, if you take away any quarterback's good plays, their stats are going to look bad. But this is the difference. This is a, a yeah. concept. This is a play that is situation, context dependent. And that's why I don't want Baker Mayfield on my team because guess what? I need a great team around him in order to continue to call play action. Yeah, I think the point that if you look at the end of the season and you see all the good teams and you see they bring a lot of play action and you just kind of look at it, you go, oh, so play action is good because the good teams do it. Well, no, it's that the good teams were leading games. And when you yeah. lead games, play action is more effective than when you're trailing in games. And so they just were better than the other team. Some of that being because they run play action, right? Like there's absolutely a, a piece of that pie. But then they had a 14 point lead in the third quarter and they wanted to have a 21 point lead in the third quarter. So you know what they did? <laughs> Ran play action. And the opposing right. team was defense was trying to be really aggressive. Defense was trying to make a play, generate a TFL, generate a stop. Defense was worried about them running the clock out and sustaining a long drive. So they take hard on the fake and then there you go. The ball's down the field. And again, like again, like take hard on the fake is difficult because like I'm not sure that like measuring how far the linebacker steps forward totally and correctly encapsulates what we need to, but when you watch it, you see it, right? Like it, it, it's right, the sort yeah. of thing that I think is, is is visible and is evident for the defense. I do think there is something to be acknowledged and to be said for as well when we try to transition and start to ask that question of, okay, well, like, what's optimal play action rate? Like, where do you want to be as an offense? How much is too much? How do you know when it's too much? I think as you transition to that question, there's something to be said for, like, just taking the defensive perspective of things and saying, like, right now, if you were a defensive coordinator, right, like, 
why is the Vic Fangio defense everywhere? Why is everybody so excited about Vic Fangio in Miami and he's the highest paid defensive coordinator and you've got Jiro Evero and you've got Brandon Staley and you've got Joe Barry and you have all these guys who have been around Vic Fangio, been kind of running us, even Sean Desai, all these guys have defensive coordinator jobs. Why? It's because the league went looking for a team that could handle the Shanahan McVay offense. And they found in that Jared Goff Super Bowl season a random, terrible six-point game against the Chicago Bears, then coordinated by defense coordinator Vic Fangio. This defense structurally had what was necessary to take away the play-action fake, but it had something else. It wasn't just like, oh, like, you know, run the the, the five-down and the six-down fronts and rotate the safeties when the quarterback turns a play-action fake. So when he's looking pre-snap, he thinks it's one high, and then he turns his back and he turns around, all of a sudden it's too high, and he's been confused, and he didn't know who's going where. So structurally, it had what it needed, but it had something else which was Fangio's orientation on, his philosophy on, and and this was really championed by Staley with the Rams, stopping the pass at the expense of stopping the run. Once we accept foundationally that this is a passing league, the teams that beat us beat us because they throw the football. The teams that score a lot of points do because they have really good quarterbacks and they throw the ball well. This is a passing league. Once we accept that foundationally, our defense now is no longer structured with a, a, a being sound against the run principles as the first objective and then handling the pass as the second objective, which is how most traditional defenses were thought about, right? The structure came from the philosophy and the philosophy right. was we got to stop the run because for so long in, the, in, in football, for decades and decades and decades, it's what you had to do to win. That's no longer the case. And so now structure of defense changes as a result of philosophy of defense changing. And so it's not just the structure that Fangio's defense ran, but it was the philosophy. And, and, the, and the, again, specifically of Staley when he was with the Rams of saying, we're going to stop the pass, the expense of stopping the run. So now reintroduce the play action fake. It looks like run. But what's the priority of the linebacker here? The priority of the linebacker is defending the pass. And if he's late to the run, he's late to the run. But that's the choice made by, by the defense. That's the philosophy. I always remember that play... Uh, Eagles against the Niners in the NFC Championship game. It was, I think, it was an RPO. It wasn't play action, uh, yeah. but they they serve as a decent enough proxy. They they can kind of be interchangeable for at least this conversation here, where Fred Warner is is sitting and reading RP, He's reading run pass. He's trying to read what the defense is doing, and he's just standing stock still. He's frozen, and like everybody on the internet was like, "This is like look at the Eagles defense is like broken Fred Warner's brain, or the Eagles offense, excuse me, is broken Fred Warner's brain." But that really. Like, wasn't what it was. What it was was Fred, firstly, trying not to tip off Jalen Hurts in terms of what direction he was going. But secondly, it was him playing the pass over playing the run. So the offensive line's flowing that way. The running back's flowing that way. But my responsibility is to fill this passing window. And then if I get to the run late, I get to the run late. When that gets flipped on its head, play action's going to lose some of its steam. Not all of its steam, because players are still coded. Just stop the run. Don't be late. Go. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's still there. But that's where I think you're going to start to see this efficacy and this explosiveness of play action start to peak and then come back down a little bit as defenses just decide, listen, we're going to stop the pass at the expense of stopping the run. That's how we're going to be built. Yeah. When you, when we started this pod, the first thing you asked me was like when I realized that play action was this cheat code. And it, it was like around 2017, 2018. When I realized that it wasn't as big of a cheat code as I thought it was, was around like week two this or week three this season. The Sunday night game between the Broncos and the 49ers, I think that was... You're disgusting. That was a horrible game. How dare you bring that game? Yeah, it finished Ah. eleven. It finished eleven to ten, and I think it was one of the most important games of last year because I think that was like the unofficial, the unofficial end of the Shanahan offense as we know it. I think that's the game when he was like, "We need to do something different." Less than a month later, the Christian McCaffrey trade happens, and the nature of the offense totally changes from what it was. And if you read the quotes coming out from that, from around the time of the trade. Both John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan talk about how they're going, how Christian McCaffrey is going to unlock the offense. He's going to unlock the offense. He's going to allow us to do different things. I thought that was like just, you know, general coach speak, GM speak at the time, because that's what they always say. But it legitimately happened. They did not lose a game after Christian McCaffrey went into the starting lineup. The the next time they lost the game, they couldn't throw a pass. Running back wins, new metric. And so I, I I think that we're seeing the nature of how play action is going to work change in real time right now. And I think the future is illustrated by that play you just brought up with Fred Warner. I think it's about freezing linebackers rather than displacing them now. And I think yeah. the the best proof of that, the best illustration, like over the course of the whole regular season, 
is the Miami Dolphins, who I think really figured out a way to run play action without running it the, the traditional type of way. And that's like the, the hardest challenge. Kyle Shanahan has been trying to figure out how to run play action from the gun for like 10 years now, ever since RG3, and he hasn't been able to do it. And Mike McDaniel figured it out. And it, there's a clip on the internet of Kyle Shanahan talking about the one play that Miami uses a bunch. They use this one play all the time. It's basically like a quick little glance post route, a guy running what's basically like a, a wheel route beyond, uh, behind that, and then a guy in the flat. And it puts so much pressure because you have Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle running downfield. And and Shanahan's talking about it almost in awe. He's like, oh my God, like this play is so hard to defend. And then he goes on to say that Tua isn't even really given a read. It's like just a feel thing for him. And it's almost like Shanahan is talking about it like he's jealous, like with envy, because he doesn't have yeah. a quarterback who can do that. So he has to figure out other ways to run his play action to win in the same ways he was winning with that wide zone play action. And I think he's done it with Chris, Christian McCaffrey. Yeah, if you want to uh, uh, see a look of the play, the uh, if you remember that Niners-Dolphins game, uh, first play of the game, 75-yard catch and run for Trent Sherfield, right? I'm yep. 98% sure that was the play. I'm trying to find a clip of it. No, it definitely um, was. It was. Yeah, no, it is. It's the play, right. And so Kyle Shannon's talking glowingly about this play, which Fred Warner takes one step towards the line of scrimmage, and it's a 75-yard catch and run Trent Sherfield house call. It's a good play. That, that'll work. Yeah. That, that, that'll go. That'll go for us. And it looks like an it looks like an RPO. And throughout the season, I refer to it as an RPO, but they only handed the ball off once all year yeah. on that play. It's not an RPO. It's yeah. meant to look like an RPO. It does, and it's because of the line action. The, the right. line is full on blocking run, which goes back to what we're talking about in terms of play pass, right? Like if you really want to sell out for play action, you have to look like you're blocking run. They leave Nick Bosa completely unblocked. 100% unblocked and Tua's not rolling out. He's standing in the pocket. Nick Bosa is unblocked. 75-yard <laughs> touchdown. That's a play, Good baby. play. I mean, that's... And that, but that's such a perfect example of, like, finding ways to get the same effect of play action without necessarily fully selling out for the whole offense, right? When we talk about, like, oh, they, they need to run more play action, really, they need to run more stuff that gives the quarterback easy reads with moving second-level defenders. Plash is one of those things, and there are currently teams that are trying to find other ones of those things. Now, if McDaniel represents one cutting edge of play action, there's one other guy I want to bring up who I think represents another cutting edge of play action, and that's Arthur Smith, uh, the head coach of the Atlanta Falcons, of aforementioned 43% play action rate. Now, <laughs> any... Quick look at data, any deep look at data, any research that's been done on play actions for the last five years will tell you, you do not need to run the football well, nor do you need to run the football often in order for play action to be efficient. There is no relationship, Ben Baldwin writing in 2019 for Football Outsiders, there is no relationship uh, between uh, 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 how often a given team actually runs and the effectiveness of their play-action attack. The threat of rushing is sufficient to set up play-action. You don't need to run first and run well in order to take advantage of it. I think that's fundamentally true. I think enough teams yes. run the football enough that you have to respect the idea that they might hand it off on any given play, and you have to respect the play-action fake. Now, I do think that as defenses get wiser to play-action, the teams that will be able to keep utilizing play action and finding such a huge advantage with it are those teams that actually can kill you with the running game. And guess what Arthur Smith's Falcons can do, baby? They can kill you with the running game. Uh, this Falcons offense run heavy personnel at a higher rate than any non-Lamar Jackson team uh, this past season in terms of having multiple tight ends or potentially having a fullback on the field. They had two large running backs in Cordero Patterson and Tyler Algier, two big physical guys. They've now added a third very large physical man in Bijan Robinson, the eighth overall pick running back out of Texas. And they're one of the teams that led the league in terms of overall run rate. The, 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 when you look at like neutral down scripts, right? You kind of adjust for game script, who's leading, who's trailing, you know, what down distance are you facing? The Falcons are one of the most run heavy teams in the league. They are comfortable beating you running the football and then when they pass they run play action which means that if you decide all right as a defense we're going to stop the pass at the expense of stopping the run we're going to stop play action by by stopping the the pass the falcons will go sick cool right if you do that against the dolphins 
the Dolphins tried to hand the ball off to Jeff Wilson. They went and got Raheem Mostert at the, at the trade. Well, they had Raheem Mostert. They got Jeff Wilson at the trade deadline. They tried to find a way to run the football when teams were selling out to stop their play-action passing game. They were not successful, and they needed to invest more in the running game. The Falcons? If you said, oh, we really got to take away the deep play-action shots, the Falcons said, okay, we're going <laughs> to score 28 on you. We're going to score 30 on you running the football. And those are the, the teams that are built to run that I think will endure a potential defensive counterpunch when it comes to this play-action game. And that's where I think that running game will start to be really valuable for the Falcons, for Arthur Smith moving forward. I thought we saw this in the Super Bowl, too. Uh, the game plan for the Chiefs, which I thought was a good one, the defensive game plan, even though they gave up a bunch of points, was to load the run box and make Jalen Hurts beat them with throws downfield to those star receivers. They made the throws. They made the plays. The receivers went nuts. But they still were able to run the football anyway which is why they put up 40 points because they were able to involve the quarterback in the run game. They started going empty. They started emptying out the backfield and just having Jalen Hurts run. I think that's just proof that you have to have a dynamic run game that's able to to punish a defense that sells out to stop certain things, whether it's the, the passing game, the deep passing game, or even your traditional run game. And I think that's what coaches around the league, offensive coaches are, around the league are realizing. Defenses have more tools. We need more tools to combat those tools. And play action is just one of them. And now even that has become a category that's hard to, to kind of narrow down to one concept. There's so many different types. There's so many different types ways to run it. You can add motion. You can pull alignment. You can do the RPO stuff, which is similar. It's, I don't think there's an excuse to not have an expansive play action game. But I don't think it's fair to just look at a team's play action rate and just say, that's not good enough. So, yeah. like... The, the the main overarching question for the pod is like, are teams running enough play? Or why don't teams run play action every play? And my answer to that is because it depends. It depends on the yeah. situation. It depends on what you have. It depends on the coaching staff. I greatly resent you getting ahead of my question where I was going to make you say an exact number for the optimal play action rate for an offense. There's 32%. That's, that's I asked. It. I asked AI. I asked like Google's oh, yeah? AI thing. <laughs> And they actually gave you, they gave me an exact percentage. They said 20%. They said for these reasons, they listed out three reasons. The three reasons were it takes time to set up the play, which I don't agree with, actually. Uh, it can be predictable, which is kind of what we're getting at. And I, I, I still don't agree with that. And yeah. it could be really risky. I also don't agree with that. I don't agree with any of their takes, but their, <laughs> their, their conclusion, AI does not know ball. But their conclusion is that NFL teams can typically call play action about 20% of the time for maximum efficiency. So 20%, that's what AI says. And I agree AI, with that number, actually. AI says 20%. I would. I don't have the the true media list in front of me. I would wager that like 25 of the 32 teams are above 20, 20% last year in terms of play well, action I, rate. I don't know. Like, what does that mean, though? With like 20% of all plays, 20% of pass plays? Like, that's that's where it gets confusing. But I think it's a I will percent say of this, dropbacks, yeah. Shanahan in the second half, of last year. So this is the Christian McCaffrey offense. He was traded in week seven, became a starter in week eight. Mm -hmm. 20% play action rate. He's AI optimal. That's that Shanahan's secret. He's just been asking AI what to do. That's what Mike. He thought Mike McDaniel was just a guy in a computer box for years. And he turns out he actually met him in person. He's like, this is unbelievable. <laughs> no, no. Mike McDaniel's like Jarvis, like from the Marvel universe. Like yeah, he yeah. was, he was an AI, but somehow he got Right, he got, he got, he got into put into the Mind Stone, and now he's Ultron. And this is this is our lore for the Miami Dolphins head coach. All right, so there's no optimal number for play action passing, and I think emphatically our answer is no. You should not run play action pass on every single attempt. But this is it, man. Like I think, I think we are in the twilight of the play action pass era. Though it's not going to like go back down to where it was previously. It's just like going to kind of yeah. you know uh, start to valley after a peak. And I think we're probably entering an era of quarterback mobility as kind of like the defining thing of like offensive cheat codes. I think you can talk about the Eagles about that and, and, and Jalen Hurts' development about that where he was drafted and kind of the value that he brings. But we're not going to do that right now because the podcast is over. That will be later in the summer because Steven and I will be coming to you every single week this offseason doing what we just did, which is trying to get our teeth around something really big, really chunky, really difficult in the NFL and getting to some sort of a happy conclusion even if we can't really answer the question so thank you to producer eduardo ocampo for hanging out with us on this show thank you as always for the additional production supervision of arjuna ramgapol and connor nevins we will be back to you next week with why it's impossible to rank all the top 10 receivers 
plus also our top 10 receiver rankings. Until then, see you then. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. When I went on my last holiday to Cape Town, it was amazing. My friends were there, the weather was phenomenal, and most importantly, the food was fantastic. But one thing I struggled with was finding the right places to stay. You know, all I want is a great bed, a fantastic shower, and breakfast that doesn't end at 8 a.m. I'm on holiday, I'm still sleeping. I also like ease, and the Hotels.com app easily helps me to find a perfect hotel for every trip. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly getaway or a relaxing spa weekend, on the Hotels.com app, you can compare up to five hotels side-by-side. Now, why would you want to do that? So you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings. And best of all, you don't have to switch back and forth between options. See? Ease. So, start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today.